thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. I woke up this morning and I was like, if this is what time travel is like, I'm not for it, you know? And that was only an hour, so that was like, yeah, so funny back to the future joke, I guess. But How many of you guys watch TV? Yeah, good. I'm just trying to get crowd involvement here, starting with the easy questions. Uh, one of my favorite things, depending on which shows you watch, is when at the beginning of each episode, it says previously on or whatever. And so it's like... On Netflix, it can get really annoying because you could hear that like 10 or 12 times a day, and it's like, well, I just could rather skip this. But actually, I think they figured out a way to do that because on certain shows, I noticed that it like starts one minute in, but it's like at the beginning of the episode, it's like, just when you think Netflix couldn't get any better, I mean, they had the automatic start the next episode, and now they're skipping the previously recaps. I mean, you just watched the last episode, why do you need a recap, right? So one of my favorite shows, though, was 24, back before, like, really Netflix um, came on. That was, like, my, I had, like, DVDs galore of 24, and I just watch them over and over. Um, and just, it was just funny, though, because the previously on 24, last episode, and it's, like, three minutes of recap, and you're, like, uh, like, you're cutting into your hour, Jack. Like, let's just get this going. Let's, let's figure it out. And so sometimes what's interesting to know, though, is like if you watch enough TV, you can figure out what the storyline of the episode is going to be by what they tell you they want you to know. And so it's kind of interesting. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember that one small detail, and they show you that. And so I'm assuming that's going to be part of this next episode. And so, I mean, try that next time you watch something. Like figure out what this episode is going to be about before the episode even starts. So that's my challenge to you. One of your takeaways today, watch more Netflix. That's great. I love this church. So, um, but I want to start off today with uh, previously at Open Life um, by reading a quick verse from Luke 9, um, because previously was, that was probably like four months ago. So just a, a little recap of uh, a verse from Luke 9. Jesus talks, and he kind of really tells his disciples what it means to follow him. And in light of what we're going to talk about today, I wanted to read this. So I'm, I'm giving you hints at the beginning of the episode what the rest of the show is going to be about. And not that this is a show, so I mean, I didn't mean that. So anyway, let's just, let's jump in. Luke 9, 23 through 26 says, Then he said to him, this is Jesus saying, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? And I'll repeat that verse. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? 
Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So Jesus is coming into that day's culture with new thoughts, with a new way of living, and he's saying, whoever wants to follow me is going to have to make certain sacrifices. But it's like all for the kingdom. Jesus is trying to tell you that maybe the way that you guys have lived your life in the past wasn't the true way of living life. And that even though the moment you choose to follow Jesus, maybe there's some sacrifices you choose to make afterwards. And in the moment, you see it as pain or as, as torture sometimes. But Jesus is saying, when you do that, you actually find life and you find true life and you find joy and you find peace and you find love. And then so then, even a small week later after you make those types of decisions, you might say, oh yeah, this is actually way better than the way I was living my life in the past. And I think Jesus does that with all of us in our lives, no matter when we choose to follow him. The minute we make that decision, there's that thing inside of us that says, okay, this is hard, but then even just a few days later or a month later or a year later, and you look back on your life and you recap and you say, man, I'm really glad I accepted Christ. I'm glad I've chosen to bear my cross daily and follow him. And so I think it's important that we read that passage today in light of what we're doing. It's, we've been going through Luke, and it's at a slow pace for a reason. We're going verse by verse. We're going story by story. And what's interesting, and I hope it's been a challenge to you on your personal life, is that when we've done this week by week, that you've been able to do this day by day in your personal life as you read Scripture. As you pray daily, have you been able to connect things as you've read through Scripture? Because that's the beauty of the Bible, is when you read from the very first chapter of the first book in the Bible to the very end, at the ver- from Genesis to Revelation, you can read the Bible, and if you're listening, and if you look hard enough, you see Jesus being proclaimed throughout Scripture of a new way of living. And when you make those connections, your life is richer for it. You see it, and you begin to connect things in your own life, in your culture, in your work, in your job, in your schools. Wherever you live life, you begin to connect things to his kingdom. You say, this is the way life should be lived. And so that's what I want to just recap and say, that's what Jesus is calling to. But before we jump into the passage for today, I just want to ask you a quick question. Who has ever heard of slacklining? Did anyone know what that is? All right. See, start off with the easy question and go to the hard questions. Well, here's a picture for you to see. Basically, what you do is you put this, like, kind of form of webbing in between two trees, and uh, you try and balance on it. So it's like, if you're really good at balance, like, you're really good at this. And so I've tried this once, and I did it perfectly the first time, so I've never had to do it again. No, that's not true. I'm a little top-heavy, if you've noticed, and so my balance is not always the best. Um, and so I've, I remember some people, people who do this, like, they always pick the two trees, like, in the middle of where cars are driving by so that they can show off to everyone. You know, like, never hear someone going in the middle of the forest to just, I'm going to go slackline by myself. No, you do it in front of everyone because you're showing off to everyone because you're really good and fit and you're random 100 miles and you know how to balance on this little piece of wire, but what you do is you just stand in the middle, and like I've, I've looked at pictures of you, like, there's people that do like yoga on this thing. People like hands, handstand on this thing with their legs up in the air. 
And it's like a wobbly little rope, up and down, up and down. And I'm just like, so people who do this are called slackers. And so it's like, which is funny because I don't think you were a slacker in order to get into the fit shape in order to be able to pull that off. I prefer another form of slacking. And so this next picture, um, I, I could maybe do that between two trees, like lay down. Which is funny, though, because I'm not really good at this either. I've been known to fall off a few hammocks from time to time. And so I'm probably just better off of, like sitting in a lawn chair, you know, maybe putting it in between two trees and like maybe having the rope to help me get up from the chair, you know, like that's just kind of how I roll. Um, but what I want to, I mean, I'm not even going to tell you why I brought this up, but just kind of keep that mental picture in your head of like, because I imagine slacklining is really fun for those who are good at it. Like, even just the thrill of, I could fall off and break my neck. Like, that's probably a joyous feeling because they're mastering that. Whereas, like, I got on there and I fell off completely and I'm like, I'm not trying this one more time because I will die, literally. And so whether it's, whatever your reason for doing this is, I'm sure, like, it's fun to be up there. I'm sure there's, like, it's zen for certain people. Like I said, people do yoga on there, so it's how they relax. It's their hobby. It's their things they do, and they probably love it. And so I just want to keep that mental picture in your head as we read this scripture, because I think life is like slacklining a lot, where you, there's a point where you kind of get it, especially when you're following Jesus, you get it, and you get on the slackline, and you're standing up there, but it's like a balance. There's things that can come at you, and you, like, fall, and then you feel bad, and you feel like, oh, I, I totally messed this up, and you're like, I'm never going to try this again. And Jesus would say, no, I'm here to help you up there. And so just kind of keep that mental picture. I'll explain it more later, but as we jump into this scripture, it's uh, kind of a long chunk of verses, and so let's just read it really quick, and then we'll talk about it. Luke 12 is where we're at, 13 through 34. So the story starts off like this. Someone in the crowd said to him, being Jesus, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, so he answered the man who asked him the question about the inheritance, and now he's using this opportunity to teach his disciples. And he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds." Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers go. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed 
like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things. And your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Think about that. Jesus said, your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Then he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be, will be also. So that's a lot to chew on. It's a big subject. Whenever we get into the topic of money, possessions, things get a little, ooh, oh, we're talking about that again at church this week. But it's important because the Bible talks a lot about money and possessions. It talks about how to live your life. And if you think about our lives, how much we go to work, how much we worry about our retirement, how much we worry about our health care, how much we need to hit a certain amount of hours at our job so that we can just have decent benefits. Jesus knows that this is a huge deal for his culture, but it's directly applicable to our culture as well. We deal with stuff on a daily basis. A lot of us may be worried. We may be sick to the point of sickness of, how am I going to meet my needs this week? And Jesus says, follow me. Jesus said before, that's why why I did the previously at Open Life thing in the beginning, bear your cross and follow me. Jesus knows it's hard. He knows it's a sacrifice, but it's vitally important. Does following Jesus, choosing to follow in his way, have a direct practical impact on our daily lives? The answer has to be yes. And it's funny, if you look at this story, you see that Jesus is the revealer of hearts. This man came to Jesus and said, teacher, tell my brother to split my inheritance with me. Just like, though, like, oh, Jesus, I love your miracles. I love your teaching. No, Jesus, just help, tell my brother to split my inheritance with me. That's a big issue back then. It's a big issue today if you have families that are growing old and you have lots of sisters and brothers. Like, how are you going to split the inheritance? I've known aunts and uncles fight and get angry at each other because they're not getting what they wanted. And it's a big deal. And Jesus says, who am I to split? to tell you how to split your... The thing is, like, there were laws, there were rules. This guy probably knew the rules, and he's just asking Jesus to enforce his own opinion. But Jesus, being the revealer of hearts, he says, you know what, I'm not even going to go there because you're asking me out of place of greed, and you're asking out of a place of you just wanting more than what your brother has. But Jesus ignores his request and reveals his heart. And then he uses it as a teaching moment to go forward. And you kind of look at Jesus' teaching, and he just makes it sound so easy. Like, really, Jesus? Come on. Like, the iWatch is coming out tomorrow. I need that. I need the iWatch. I could really use a brand new Xbox, you know? Danny's back there laughing, because all those are probably things I'm going to try and get in the next, like, year or so. Whatever. But, you know, I would love a Tesla. I deserve a Tesla. 
I would love a new boat. I mean, there's a perfectly good lake out there to take a boat out and have fun this summer, you know? Not right now. I mean, you would die in there. Like, we drove over the bridge by Lake Taps one day after they drained it, and there was a truck in the middle of it. And I was like, don't want to know what's in there, you know? <laughs> like, that, I, like, looked on the news. There was nothing, but I guess I did want to know what was in there, so I looked, but... You know, like it's the same for our culture. I would love an inheritance. I would love that. I would love to take that. My little sisters, I want all of it, you know. I deserve it. I'm older. I've been living longer. I had to deal with them when they were babies. They didn't deal with me when I was a baby, right? For me, this is going to sound really weird, but I love hoodies. I would love a new hoodie, a nice hoodie. You're laughing, but... Go down to Nike Town in downtown Seattle. It's like where they keep all the good, like, Nike stuff. And I'm like, I feel these sweatshirts. And they're just sweatshirts, but I feel them, and they're, like, so soft. They're so, like, I'm like, I can't even try it on because I'm afraid I'm going to spill something on it and have to buy it. And they're, like, $150. And I'm like, I just buy my hoodies at Target for, like, 15 or something, you know? 10% of that. But it's like, I would, if I had the money, I would buy a lot of hoodies. Like, I would just covet the hoodies. I don't know. But I really appreciate Jesus' response here to the man. In the parable that he uses to kind of dive into the subject of possessions, he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. But I think our culture loves our possessions so much that life is often defined by the cool things that we get to do with our stuff. How many times have I sat like, out of things that I would love a boat? My life would be so much better if I had a boat. I heard it's not good because then you find out who your friends are or who your friends aren't because they're just like, oh, you have a boat. Cool, I want to hang out with you, you know? But it's like we think that if we had more stuff, then our life would be so much better. We think that if we had so much more money, our life would be that much better. But look at the man in the parable. His harvest was huge, and he didn't have enough room to hold it in. So obviously his barns that he did have were already full. He built his barns because, hey, I would be doing good if I filled these barns up. They got full, and then he's like, well, what do I do now? Let's burn my barns down, and let's build bigger ones. And I think Jesus points out a really key thing in this. He's like, if you have enough to live your life, if you are living well, there's no need to just have this greed and desire for wanting more. It's not like Jesus is saying, don't work hard. He's not saying, don't provide for your family. But he is saying, if you have enough, what's the point of letting that greed rule you still? We all are distracted from time to time to provide for our families, to meet our basic needs. But once we do that, let's live free lives. Let's live lives that aren't burdened. Let's help other people with the abundance that they have. But Jesus is like, no, this guy's just building bigger barns to hold it all in. And what happens? The minute his big barns are ready, he dies. And then what good is all of that? Then you get into arguments of his kids. I mean, directly, what should I do with my inheritance? That's not what the guy was asking about. But you just see this repetitive thing. Greed leads to greed, leads to more greed. 
And Jesus is like, when's that going to stop? And Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And how do we do that? How do we become rich towards God? Then Jesus takes time to address his disciples, because even the disciples, the followers of Jesus, like the 12 guys that are just supposed to be following Jesus wholeheartedly, even Jesus knows that they'll be prone to not live this out the way Jesus is saying. And so he uses it as another teaching moment for them. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Jesus, come on, man. Like, I want a hoodie, you know? I want my possessions. I want more than just my clothes and my food and my bare necessities. And so just so you know, when you're talking about when Jesus says clothes and food, we'll read a verse later from Paul that he says food and clothing. He's just talking about bare necessities. And so our culture, that varies from culture to culture. And so that's the hard part about our culture. In a culture that is rich, where we do have this like necessities, but sometimes those necessities are actually wants more than actual needs. But then on the other hand, some, like five years ago, those wants where we're like, oh, it'd be so cool if I had this, are now kind of necessities in our culture. Like really, if you didn't, don't have a cell phone now, like how do you communicate with people? Like do you just have, is it really safe anymore to send out your kids without having some kind of communication? I remember growing up, like and I'm not that old. I'm getting older, obviously. I'm like, as I, every year, you know, but in junior high, I didn't have a cell phone. I had a call from the, I hung out at the church a lot, and there was this little phone in the lobby, a call home, hey dad, I'm at the church, I'm going to be home around 8.45 tonight, Um, so uh, thanks, bye, and like beep, like answering machines, really? We still use those? But like, cell phones now, it's like a necessity. If you don't have a cell phone, you're like, that's dangerous, you're driving around without a cell phone? What if you get a flat tire? I don't know. What did we do 15 years ago when we got flat tires? We walk and ask for help, I guess. I don't know. But like internet, how do you apply for jobs if you're looking for jobs if you don't have internet? Where do you go? How did people look for jobs back then? But that's how we live now. And so, like, our culture, that's where this is confusing when Jesus talks about this stuff. Because you're like, okay, God, what really is my necessities? What are my wants? What are my needs? What are, like, what do I actually need? What is, what am I going to really trust God to actually provide for me? And Jesus says, consider the ravens, those nasty birds that are out there. He says, even God feeds them. Even they don't go hungry. He says, consider the beautiful wildflowers. They're beautiful. Nothing in all of earth is as pretty as a little flower. If God's going to make such detail to clothe them, to make them look nice, and to even the next day just be burnt in the grass, he's going to provide for your needs as well. And that's the teaching that Jesus is saying. He's like, there is more to life than your possessions. But if you let your life be ruled by his possessions, you're not going to live a true, fulfilling life. And you're going to just end up regretting it in the future. Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. 
It's just crazy when you think about it. And then the revealer of hearts, being Jesus, he says, if you want to know where your heart is, look where your treasure is. And so the identifying question for you today is where is your treasure? Like, where is it? What do you hold most dear in your life? Is it in your possessions? Is it in your job? Is it in your money, in your bank accounts? Is it in your family? What is it? Where is your money going? If you don't budget out your money, if you don't do things to really know where your money is going, I'd encourage you to do that in the next month. It can be really hard sometimes to just figure out where exactly your money is going. You might see that you spend a lot of money at Starbucks. Maybe your heart, your treasure is in coffee. Where do you spend your time? Like what, where do you spend your time? I'm, I said as a joke at the beginning, but how much time do you spend watching Netflix? I, like, man, it's hard, you guys. I'm normal. I watch Netflix. Who wants to stand up and say, well, no, I'm just kidding. You know, it's like a recovery meeting out here. But, but I think there's some key things that we need to look at, some key teachings when we're looking at things. So these are just some things I thought up. But the first one is, don't let fear rob you of your future. I think we let worry guide us so much in the area of our finances and our possessions that out of this lifestyle of worrying about our needs so much, or that need to want more, I just need more, I'm hoarding all of this stuff for my future, that we begin to get a temperament, we get to begin to like, a personality arises out of us. It's the way we begin to live life, that if we're not careful, when we go weeks, when we go months, when we go years, And for some people, decades down the line of living in this lifestyle of, I just want more, then you become someone who you would say, if you look back and said, man, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like the way my life changed when I made that one decision. And it's out of fear sometimes that we say, you know what, I have to have more, I have to have more, I need more, I need more. I have enough, but I want more. And we kind of get in this repetitive cycle where, man, a year later, you're like, what did you do in that last year? Did you do anything for God's kingdom? Did you do anything to try and grow your relationship with your family? Or did you just say, no, I'm going to want more, 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 and more? Don't let fear of those things rob you of your future. But on the same hand, don't let your future rob you of your present and your now. And those, those two statements are kind of the same, but they're kind of different. Don't let your future rob you of your present. How many times have people thought about retirement for so long and said, you know, I'm going to get stuck in this job for 20 years because it has great retirement benefits, and it's worth it. But I can't help but think of the guy building the bigger barns And you have no idea what's going to happen 10 or 20 years from now. And it's just crazy because you're like building up, storing this stuff in a storehouse over here. And you're like, the fear can come and say, well, am I even going to even make it that far? 
And that's a personal struggle for me right now, and I'll get that to that later. Um, but sometimes we think if I only get my bank account to a certain, a certain number, then I can finally take a break. If I get to this plateau, if I get to this thing, then, then I'll simmer down. And so for some people with kids, you're like, I, I have kids right now, but I need to provide for them, and then I need to provide for their college. And so then you go 10, 15 years of you just trying to work to save money so that you can help their habits, you can help their soccer camps, so that you can get them to go do all this stuff. And then you're like, how did they go from zero to 15 years, and I didn't even get to be there for it? I was so ingrained with work, with, with doing overtime over and over and over. And so this is where the slack line analogy comes in. Because it's a balance. I'm not saying you shouldn't provide for your family. I'm not saying you shouldn't save for college. But it's a balance. We sit on this slack line, and it's hard. Because like, I mean, you're like, I'm going to stand on this little line right here. But I'm a moment away from squandering it all if I don't save up some. But I'm also a moment away of hoarding if I just keep hoarding. And I don't know if I'm going to be, be there to use it or pass it along to my family. And so that's where my theme for like the last two weeks of living in my family has been, how do people live their lives without Jesus? Like, how do people handle stuff that's going on? How do people have jobs and stress of finances and money without following God? Because as hard as the last two weeks have been, I've been very free and peaceful with where I'm at with Jesus and living my life. And so it's the same thing for finances. It's like, how do we live with that tension? How do we live between squandering but also hoarding. Both are wrong. Jesus condemns people who says, you squander what I've given to you. You've just wasted it. But he also condemns people who said, no, you're just hoarding it up. You're holding it for yourself. And you're like, Jesus, well then show me how to do it. But Jesus does that. And that's the beauty. That's where I'm like, I think people who walk on a slack line, I think they have a lot of fun. And that's what I want to commit to when I look at my finances and possessions is I want to follow Jesus and I want to have a lot of fun. I know he's going to provide for my needs. I'm going to walk in that truth. And I'm going to live my life accordingly. And that's freeing. And that's peace. And that's joy. Not letting culture tell me how to live my life, but letting Jesus and following his way tell me how to live my life. And so then the next point is don't be preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. I thought that was really catchy, but I just read it straight out of the Bible in another, it's another paraphrase of the scripture we just read. It's from the message. And I just read that and it was like the words just jumped out of the page to me and said, that's what everyone needs to hear. Don't be preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving because he has given you so much. We forget that God gives us everything. Don't be preoccupied with squandering it. And so I just want to read the last section of that in the message because it's 
which is a beautiful way of saying that. It says, what I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. Not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom himself. Be generous. Give to the full give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt, a bank in heaven, far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers, a bank you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be, and you'll end up being there. That's good. That sounds fun, Jesus. That kind of lifestyle sounds great. Where do I sign? And that's what we're all called to do, is to live in that tension, but to live in that freedom where we don't have to worry because we're following Jesus. We're doing what he says. We don't have to worry about hoarding our treasure. We don't have to worry about squandering it either. And that's the freedom Jesus has for us. But worry is a true and real thing. It's so real. And it's not just about finances, it's about life. It's about so many other things. And so just three ways we can combat worry. Just three words for you. Confidence, contentment, and then generosity. Confidence because we know Jesus is going to provide. When Jesus said something out of the whole Bible... The things that I hold on to the dearest is the things that Jesus said. And so when Jesus said he's going to provide my every need, I'm going to trust him to it. And I'm going to live my life in whatever abandon I have to, but still trusting in the things that he's told me that I can trust him for. And so if that's my daily needs, if that's my food and my clothing, my house, that's even a cell phone, I'm going to trust him for that and thank him for it and be grateful for it. But then from there comes contentment. If that's being thankful for what you have, but also realizing that you're going to roll with the punches. That when life seems to push you off that slack line one way or the other, man, my funds are low. Am I squandering this Jesus? Or man, uh, maybe I'm coming, I'm falling into a lot of cash over here. But contentment is saying, whatever it is, whether I have little or have a lot, I'm going to trust in Jesus and live according to his way, and not just because I have a lot of money am I going to change my thinking, or not just because I don't have a lot of money, I'm going to get this poor mentality and say, God, you can't meet my needs. How am I going to trust you for anything else? No, I'm going to roll with the punches, and I'm going to just follow him day by day by day. And the third thing is generosity, and that's with taking what you have and then sharing it with others. It's a posture. It's a way that you live your life. It's a, like a spirit inside of you that I'm going to live generously. For me, I always think of just holding. I just think of everything I own, which is not that much, but I think of it all just sitting in my hand. And my propensity is to hold on to those things so hard. Say, no, I cannot give that up. No, I cannot give a subscription to Netflix up. I have to have that, you know? 
but it's living your life with an open hand, not just for my possessions, but for other people. So that if I see, I have a lot in my hand right now, and I look at other people's hands and they don't have a lot. Man, here, let me help you. That's generosity. It's an exercise, though. It's like, if you don't do generosity often, it makes generosity harder when you don't do it. It's like going out for a run tomorrow. I didn't run for the last week, and so I'm going to try and go running tomorrow, and it's going to hurt. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to stink, you know? And I think that's how we think with our money a lot. It's like, oh, I'll be generous later. Yeah, well, it's going to hurt when you do it later. You could be generous now, and it's going to be easier. My dad and mom sat me down when I got my first allowance and said, this is what we do. We give 10% to God. I got $10. Yeah, it was easy to give a dollar. If I made $100,000, giving $10,000 is hard. But not for me, because I've been doing it since I was little. It's an exercise. I've done it daily. I've done it weekly. I've done it monthly. And that's just how I live my life. And I would do, that's the first thing I would do if someone, I won a $100,000 check or lottery or something. You know? Man, God, you get the first. It's easy. And I understand for people who don't want to do it, because it's hard. I, like, I imagine, like, yeah, if you've never done it before, giving $10,000 to the church would be crazy. But he calls you to do it, and we do it, and you, like, let that, that's, like, that's how you let Jesus transform you. It's like, man, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. It's an exercise. So I'm going to skip a few things. The worship team can come up. Um, Philippians 4, 10 through 13. On your notes, 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. It's the verse that always just talked about money and greed. You've probably heard it before. I hope you hear it in a different light today. <laughs> I hope I've hopefully softened the blow from other churches or past experiences. But Philippians 4, 10 through 13 is where I like to live my life. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, this is Paul speaking, that at last you renewed your concern for me. He's talking to the Philippians. He's saying, thank you for being concerned for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's my prayer for life. God, let me be content whatever the circumstance, whether I'm living in plenty or I'm living in want. Whether I'm prone to hoard my money, whether I'm prone to squander it. Let me just live in that tension with you teaching me how to live generously, how to live just loving you. And just a personal story, really quick. The last two weeks, Jesus said this. He literally said with his own words, he said, there is much more to life than money. And the two weeks that I've lived the last two weeks have become so much proof of that. When you're talking about family, 
being sick in a hospital bed. I mean, you parents who have kids who have been sick or hurting, I don't know how you do it. I mean, my mom. <clears throat> but to tell you where my heart was at was like, I literally said to God, because I know how my family works with stuff like this, is I said, man, we didn't get to do stuff yet. We want to go on a trip or we want to go spend money. <sighs> Sorry. But out of that, out of this, just this verse about talking about money, I find so much hope. Because it's the moments of relationship, it's the moments of love and of peace and of joy with my family and the things that really matter. That's what matters. but it's attention. I mean, man, I feel like I'm on that slack line, ready to fall over and break my neck. But you just stand, you just stand there and you say, God, you're pretty cool. You walk with me, you lead me, and you give me peace. So <clears throat> I cried. but it feels good. So, that's our prayer. Your action steps today. Recognize what you've been given. Pray for contentment in those things. If you need more, you can pray for that. If you need, if you need necessities, don't feel like you can't pray for those things. Pray for those things. Don't just worry about them, though. We think that if we worry, then we've prayed. And no, it's when you pray in the name of Jesus and say, God, I need you in this situation. And you name it, but don't walk in worry. It's not worth it. And then finally, pursue a posture of generosity. And so you know how we do that at Open Life. We talk about it every week, but we believe in it and we walk in it. And it's provided peace for a lot of people, and that's why we do it. And so God, I just pray right now, I pray for people sitting in here figuring out life, whether it's sickness and family that have hospital bills, whether it's a job that you just cannot find. God, I pray for those situations. God, we just pray right now for your peace and understanding and that contentment to fall on our hearts, that we would walk in your truth, that we would learn to walk in that tension and just love it, that we would just say, oh, it's, it's fun, God, to live in there because you provide for us, but then we're blessed and we can bless others and that blesses us. God, let us learn what that truly means. Thank you for that, God. 
And Lord, I pray for our culture. I pray for that every time we turn on our computer and look on Facebook about all these other things that people get to do with their possessions and they have an iWatch. They have lots of cool hoodies. May we not be envious. May we be happy for them, but also know that, man, we get to live. We have the honor of living with you in that tension. And let us show others that it's awesome and it's fun and it's not weird. Just live our lives pursuing you and loving you. That's our prayer today. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.